The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome to the Disability Law Show. John Scholes here. Tamara Gopian is the one with the knowledge. I just uh, I just watch her do her thing, man, and you can contribute to the show anytime. Even outside the hour of the show, you're always welcome to call Tamara and her team with any concerns you have. Uh, dealing with a disability insurer or otherwise, maybe you're getting some static, maybe you've been told to appeal. There could be a billion things that give you stress and anxiety dealing with these uh, these folks, but there is help out there. It's simple as a uh, phone call. There's no commitment just to call tomorrow and her team anytime. one 821 5900 Help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address, which we're going to get to. A ton of questions already coming in on the show today, tomorrow, but we always get things kicked off and warmed up and stretched out with a, a week that was or a case of the day. What's, uh, what's going on your end, pal? Well, so this week I wanted to highlight a uh, client. I'm actually in the process of getting retained by her uh, and some of the questions she actually had at the outset of retaining us. Just a quick picture. She's in her late 30s. Uh, she's been working for the same company for over a decade, has two small kids, supportive husband, um, and experienced really quite a lot of harassment and bullying issues that were happening in her workplace. That set her off on uh, a medical leave for mental health conditions. And, you know, she was approved and paid for the by the insurance company for a period of time and then denied, which is not uncommon. But her one of the questions that she really was, uh, you know, focusing on is what do I do, you know, with my employer and my employment situation while I'm pursuing disability benefits when my doctors are still saying that, you know, you can't work. And really that's the key, right? And this is what I always say to people when they call us and our consultations are absolutely free and we talk them through, you know, different options. I say, well, look, if your doctors are still supporting that you cannot work, then the answer is to pursue your disability claim against the insurer who said, no, no, we think you can work and get that support and allow us to do that so that you can, you know, exclusively focus on your health. But inevitably, and especially in situations like this, John, where the health conditions stem somewhat from what's happening in the work setting, people get very anxious around what kind of information am I supposed to tell my employer? What are they going to know? Um, and, you know, I think in this particular client situation as well, she doesn't necessarily want her employer to know all of her health issues, right? Especially because it was stemming from things that were happening in her work setting. So sure. the long and short of it is this. Yes, your employer will be made aware that the insurance companies denied your claim. And this may result in the employer doing one of several things. Most commonly, they will reach out to the employee, the, the claimant, and say to them, look, uh, we understand that your benefits have been cut off um, or denied. Insurance companies saying X, are you coming back to work? You know, What's your situation? And the employer is entitled to know, John, a response to that. Sure. So, I never want to say to people, don't, you know, don't ignore your employer while you're looking at your options on what to do with your disability claim. Even if you hire a disability lawyer like myself and, or someone else on my team, it is still okay to communicate with your employer and just simply say, I'm going to continue to challenge the disability insurer. What your employer is not entitled to know, unless you're going back to work, are your restrictions and limitations, your right. health issues. And so... 
it's really something that I hear, of course, Lior say all the time on the employment shows that we do, which is your employer is entitled to know your prognosis. So when can you reasonably be expected to return to work, but not necessarily your diagnosis, which is the reason why you're off. And when you've got claimants like this person that I'm more than happy to help uh, say to me, look, you know, I don't want my employer knowing all the reasons why I'm off and maybe I'm still going to go back to work and I want to preserve my employment. Yeah, all of that is absolutely fair, but just don't ignore the employer's inquiry because you don't want the employer thinking that you've abandoned your job. Then you're sort of giving up your, your employment rights. You might be even giving up your health benefits that you might still have by being a valid employee and an active employee at your employer. And you may still need those health benefits to get treatment and medication and other things. And so um, generally, a high level of cooperation with your employer makes sense. I think, though, John, where it starts to become a problem, and I've seen this happen with employers, is when they start to punch above their weight, right? Just like insurance companies, they want to ask for lots of information. Well, you should be completing these forms. Here are nine pages that your doctor should complete with all of your restrictions and limitations. Well, no employer, that kind of form and that level of detail is only required if the individual is actually expected to return back to work. So my advice in situations like this is, look, your employer may need a medical note, but that medical note can be a one-liner saying to the employer, you know, she she or he is still going to be off for health reasons, and I will be continuing to reassess them as their doctor in, say, a two or four or five-month period or whatever that period of time is so that it satisfies the employer that the health issues are ongoing. You may or may not want to let them know that you've hired a lawyer. It doesn't really matter to to challenge the disability insurer, but then at least you're being responsive and trying to protect your employment in the context of that. And then, of course, you know what I'm going to say is that if then the employer decides to terminate in a situation like that, then I should hope that people's very next call would be to us because you absolutely do have some rights around that. And there are some issues with employers actually doing that. And of course, it gives rise to potentially a human rights claim. And there's a whole host of things that flow from that. But I think the starting point really when you're thinking about, okay, you know, disability insurer has denied me. What do I do with the employer? I think you want to make sure that you're getting the right options and your rights exercised on the disability side while still trying to preserve your employment rights. And so this is why we do what we do. We are a firm that deals primarily with disability litigation and employment litigation, because you can see in situations like this, the two meet, they meet very often, and you want to make sure that you've got a group of lawyers who understand both sides of the fence so they can navigate you properly as you try and exercise those rights and, you know, get where you're owed at the end of the day, which I think for this particular client will eventually include a potential employment claim as well. Which again, guys, is why we always tell you off the top of the show and throughout to reach out to tomorrow and your team anytime. Just have that uh, that phone call because, as you said, uh, trying to you know navigate this can be incredibly frustrating and confusing at the same time. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at disabilityrights.ca. First email of the show. Voitech uh, writes in says, guys, uh, really hoping you can help me with some advice. I was off work for one month shy of two years and I'm currently on a gradual return to work schedule, working up towards getting back to full time. My return to work date was June 7th of this year, but I struggled with the original schedule. I'm now working every other day, which has helped substantially, yet I have to stay on part-time hours longer than anticipated. 
I have the full support of my family doctor. He does not want me to return to full-time until after I see the psychiatrist in October in case there will be some medication changes. Now insurance is saying if I'm not back at work full-time by September 1st, my status changes and my claim basically is ended. Any advice you may have would be tremendously helpful. And I'm now panicking and unsure what to do next, which is exactly what I just said, right? That's that's Um, right, John. And so look, I I sympathize with Wojtek because... This is a type of situation where there's a lot of gray. Why is there a lot of gray? It's because you do see that intersection of partial work capacity and a disability insurer who's getting antsy and they want him off claim. And so they're doing the tactics that they do, which is to decide without really, it sounds like any medical support, that he is good to go. He should be resuming full-time duties and work. And the reason for that is because most disability policies will have a rehabilitation type section in it that says, you know, if you have a partial work capacity, we will continue to pay your disability benefit for a period of time. But insurance companies don't want to pay, right, John? If there is a partial work capacity, they want to wipe their hands of Wojtek. They want him to be back full-time or at least close to full-time so they don't have to continue paying any sort of top-up benefit or top-up claim. And so the key in these kinds of return to work situations, gradual, yes, very important. I'm glad to hear that Voitex on a gradual return. You don't want to go, you know, from being off just shy of two years and then go back on and, you know, be working full-time hours. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But what is most important from what he describes to us is that his doctor is supportive. And I think when situations like this arise, regular updates from the doctor to the insurance company are critical. This kind of information around, look, there could be changes in medication, there could be still ongoing symptoms that require treatment, need to be addressed by the doctor to the insurance company. Not necessarily to the employer, because this, right, this goes back to what I was saying at the top of the show, is that the employer doesn't necessarily need to get into the nitty gritty around, well, there's a psychiatry appointment coming up and there could be changes around medication. No, it's the insurance company who in situations like this should be more patient, frankly, in dealing with Wojtek and his return to work. I mean, they should be happy he's returned back to work. I give him a lot of credit for that. It is not easy to do. And the fact that he's maintaining it in the level that he is says to you that he is committed to this process, but requires more time. But it cannot come from Wojtek necessarily. So if Wojtek is saying to the insurance company, hey, I think I need more time, they are going to be more dismissive. Insurance companies are very fixated on having the paperwork on file that they need to review claims and approve claims in the way that they see fit, right? They draft the policies, John. They make the decisions around how those policies are interpreted. Uh, and sometimes they, you know, they don't get it right. And I think in situations like this, where there is some gray, in other words, it's a partial work capacity, we're not really sure when he's going to resume full-time duties, you know, you will get more resistance from the insurance company to keep that time frame on longer. Because the fallback position for the insurer as well, John, is to say, well, this is an accommodation issue with your employer. This doesn't have anything to do with disability. It's not an ongoing disability claim which is why the medical information is so, so critical. So if I'm in Wojtek's situation, I would make sure that there is up-to-date medical to the insurance company if that has not been provided already, and supporting the ongoing symptoms and the current schedule, that it is under medical advice that he's maintaining this schedule, 
and to provide that outside date and say, look, and we're going to revisit this in October. And we're going to look at this in October following the further appointment with a psychiatrist. And that is absolutely fine in terms of information with the insurance company. Because the other side of this, John, is that what if Wojtek is not able to continue to sustain this partial work capacity? The other side of it is that if he cannot, then the insurance company is, should be continuing to pay his disability benefits fully, not a top-up payment, not a rehab payment, a full payment. But now what they're going to be looking at, because Wojtek tells us he's at the two-year mark, is whether or not Wojtek is totally disabled from any occupation. So look, let's talk about this a little bit after our first break. Uh, and we can wrap up uh, the email with Voitech after that. Stand by, Voitech. We're going to wrap up your email, so uh, you're going to want to follow up with a phone call as well, and for you as well, if you're uh, listening uh, on the show today, you can always reach out uh, the same way, through email or phone call to Tamar and her team. Don't hesitate to uh, to do so. That is help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, 1-855-821-5900. This is a Disability Law Show. Lots more coming up, and we'll be right back with that. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, you bet you're back uh, to the Disability Law Show. So good to have you with us today. You will always learn lots over this hour of radio and tomorrow, Gopian, no better uh, no better tour guide in the world of disability law for sure if you're dealing with that insurer and getting some grief to take you through that journey and come out the other side. Uh, at least satisfied, if not more knowledgeable, after a phone call and listening to the show on a, uh, on a weekly basis. How do you reach out to Tamar and her team? I want to give you that information as well. 1-855-821-5900. You can email your questions if you prefer. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And yet another form for you to ask questions anonymously anytime is mydisabilityquestions.com. All one word, mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, just before the break tomorrow, we're getting back to a Voitex email. Lengthy one, uh, return to work schedule, you know, doing other work. These are very common themes and common questions that we get on a weekly basis basis dealing with employers and insurance companies. Where would you want to uh, continue with Voitech? Yeah, I think where I wanted to, to pick up was on this uh, note that he sent to us saying that he was a month shy of the two-year mark. And, and I think that was significant in a situation. And here's why. Because these disability policies have a change in the definition to continue to qualify for benefits. And, and insurance companies draft these these policies, right, John? So they know that they are in control in how they define the policy, how they define whether or not you are eligible under the policy, and they have set it up so that they can weed out claims at that two-year mark. And so with Voitech, I suspect what happened was they said to him, just shy of that change in the definition, that you're good to go, you can get back to your own occupation so that they could avoid doing the analysis for the any occupation test. That is the change, right? So when you make an application for disability benefits, the insurance company initially needs to look at whether your health prevents you from doing the job that you were doing at the time that you became unwell and not capable of working. But after two years or 24 months of benefits, the test changes and it then becomes, is there anything Wojtek can do? Anything in the world that would provide him with roughly what he's getting for his LTD benefit? And that would line up with his education background and his employment background and put him in a different job. At that point, the insurance company doesn't care whether you go back to your own job or not. They just want to know, does your health prevent you from doing any occupation? 
and they will lower that threshold of earnings, right? It's not about going back and earning your full salary anymore. It's basically going back and earning two thirds of what you were making. So the threshold is low. They set it up that way to, as I said, weed out claims at that two year mark. And that's usually where we see most people come to us, John, and say, hey, you know, I still can't work. I don't understand what the insurance company is saying. Yeah, people, folks, yes, that is absolutely true. Most disability insurers will try and cut you off at that point. And so why is that relevant in Wojtek's claim? It's because I think there is some pressure happening here about him returning back to work at that point in time. And if Wojtek is back on claim, so if his health issues recur to the point where he cannot work at all, so now he's got graduated return to work has ended, he no longer has a partial work capacity, doctor is saying he's off again, Hmm. then the policy, we'll, we'll have to look at the policy, but it, it will have a section that says if your health issues recur, you can be back on claim again and start getting your benefits. But it may be an issue for the insurance company because of that two-year mark. So Wojtek needs to be careful as to whether or not the analysis is going to be done correctly by the insurance company. Are they going to do the own occupation analysis or are they going to do the any occupation analysis? And all of this comes down to the words, John. The words in the policy will tell us what the insurance company should be doing. And if they don't do it correctly, then you know what? <laughs> Wojtek's got an excellent basis for a legal claim to challenge the disability insurer. So you are quite right that I think a phone call with Wojtek makes a lot of sense so that I can talk him through all of these different options. And then I think there's a lot of wait and see, waiting to see what the insurance company is going to do through the balance of the graduated return to work and to see what happens, you know, come October if his doctor continues to suggest that he continue working. Because if that's not the case, then he needs to continue to pursue the disability insurer for LTD benefits. Again, uh, Voight, I appreciate you uh, reaching out any time. You got that email address. And if you're listening, you probably wrote down the phone number since I keep uh, spewing it out there. one 821 5900 This one, I always, I don't know how this 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 even holds water any time tomorrow dealing with the uh, doctors on the insurance side and, and you know, your client's doctors. But if the insurance company's doctor is saying something, oh, yeah, they can go back to work, no problem. Is there anything their doctor can do to help? Because, you know, sometimes these doctors haven't even seen these people, right? Could be a paper review. That's exactly right. It most likely will start with a paper review. So someone like Wojtek, anybody listening to our show, they know that the insurance company will eventually have somebody look over their medical information. And their medical information is going to be reviewed by someone who's paid for by the insurance company. And it will usually be someone who will start with just getting a pack of paper. So they don't even talk to the claimant, John, let alone talk to their doctors who are saying to them, you cannot be working because of your health issues. And the courts have been really clear. I mean, the paper reviews are not worth the paper they're written on, quite frankly. And it doesn't bear a lot of weight. But that's a long ways away. When someone's in the middle of it, can they do anything when the insurance adjuster is saying, hey, by the way, we had one of our doctors review this, and our doctors are saying, you're good, you should be working. And so this is why the medical information that comes from your own treatment providers, and it doesn't just have to be a doctor, by the way, it could be a psychologist, it could be a physiotherapist, depending on who is in your realm helping you with your disability, they should be providing a support letter, a few paragraphs, maybe even their clinical notes added to it, simply saying, this is what my patient is experiencing this is why they are still on disability. I support that they cannot work. Here's why. 
And, you know, these are the treatment measures we still have in place. And so if someone is under active treatment, then it can resist what the insurance company is saying that our doctor thinks you're good to go. Because, John, when I've seen these claims files, I've looked at thousands of these claims files, and they will, the insurance adjusters will be very specific on the questions that they want their medical reviewer to answer. They're not just going to say, yeah, just review it and let us know what you think. No. There's three or four very specific questions that they direct because they want answers, specific answers, and they are paying for those answers so that they can paper their file and then justify the claim and justify ending the claim more specifically. And so, you know, it's a pressure tactic from insurance companies. We know this. And so the best way to defend in these kinds of situations is to make sure that your doctor is being very clear about their opinion on your disability status, your course of treatment, and how long they expect you will continue to be off for. And as I said, you know, I think that if it plays out where the disability insurer ultimately relies on their own medical review, people do have a really good basis to challenge the insurance company in situations like that. And I don't want individuals taking that sitting down. A lot of people will just simply accept what the insurance company is saying and will be feeling that pressure of not listening to their own doctor, not listening to their own body and saying, well, look, I'm out of money. I've got to get back to work uh, because the insurance company is saying I have to. And and that's what they want, John. That's the worst part is that is what they want. Because if they stop paying you and you don't challenge them for more benefits that you are owed, then they win, right? And the math wins. They get the premium. They pay as little as possible and you're back and they don't have to continue paying you. And so this is why we do what we do every day. This is why our consultations are free is because I want people to get this kind of advice in their specific circumstances and allow me to provide, you know, really directive things to say, okay, this is what you need. This is where you need to go. And if the insurance company is still resisting you, then the answer is a legal claim. We can resolve these things fairly quickly. And it's more effective than having to deal with the adjuster time and again, going through all of the, you know, rigmarole, so to speak, that they're going to put you through, right? Which includes these paper reviews, maybe even a medical assessment, maybe even treatment from their own rehab providers. There's all sorts of things that they do up their sleeves. And really all it is is to move towards a point where they can actually close the claim. Let's move on to Lance's email. It says, guys, have been going to a psychiatrist and I send his reports to the insurance company. I'm waiting for another report to send into them. At my last appointment, my psychiatrist said I won't be going back to work. I have PTSD, OCD, major depressive disorder, and high anxiety. I asked my psychiatrist if he would put in that my report uh, so that the insurance company would stop calling me. They always seem to call me on a Friday. And if I miss the call, I worry about it all weekend long. Tons of stress. Do you think that this will stop, uh, this will stop them with that note? Also, I got approved for the disability tax credit uh, until 2027, backdated to December 2018. Okay, break that down tomorrow. Sounds like uh, a different language part of it, right? (laughs) It does sound like a different language, Lance, but I appreciate you reaching out because I think that this idea of the phone calls coming on a Friday and then having to stress all weekend is just awful. But he's right, John, they do this stuff. Okay, the insurance companies do it intentionally. Um, or maybe unintentional. I don't even know, but honestly, at the end of the day, I find these tactics and these approaches by these adjusters to be quite awful because it does add to a profile that Lance has already described to us, right? The the core of his disability claims are related to mental health conditions, including anxiety. 
And so if you think of a situation like this, you know, what do you do if you're Lance and, you know, you want that paperwork over to the insurance company and you want the calls to stop? So I think with Lance, what I would suggest is not only should the doctor be providing the reports, and I've been sort of saying this throughout the show today, these kinds of reports are very, very helpful. The details around his ongoing symptoms, his diagnoses, you know, how they're going to treat, but also that the insurance company's manner in treating him is also a problem. So in the way that they are communicating with him, the doctor can validate what Lance is experiencing. And in that validation, Lance can hopefully put something in place to say, look, can you maybe schedule calls with me ahead of time so you're not, I don't miss your call? Um, and, or, you know, do we have to have a call? Can we do it via email? These things are absolutely reasonable requests when you've got the kinds of health issues that Lance describes to us. Pretty extensive and difficult mental health conditions to overcome. So I'm not surprised that he's experiencing this kind of anxiety around the phone calls from the insurance company. But do I think that they will stop? That's really what he's asking. So I get a report over tomorrow and it says all the things it's supposed to say. Are they going to stop calling me? Unfortunately, Lance, they are not. So the insurance companies, these adjusters that are hiring to do this job are told very specifically the, the ways in which they need to adjudicate, meaning review these kinds of disability claims and stay on top of it. And they stay on top of it by calling you and emailing you and making sure that everything is in order on their side to continue releasing that LTD benefit. And the LTD benefit is a month-to-month -month benefit. It shouldn't be, John, I, I don't agree with it necessarily that it should be approved that way or addressed that way, but some adjusters take that month-to-month -month very seriously, so you will be getting monthly, if not more often, phone calls and touch points with your adjuster. Now, the last thing Lance tells us, though, is that he has been approved for the disability tax credit. What is that? It's a government-sponsored uh, tax credit program that allows individuals who have severe and prolonged disabilities to have a reduction in their tax rate. I think it's excellent that Lance has gone through that path and the fact that he's been approved retroactively, so into the past, tells me he's been disabled for some time and the expectation is that he will continue to be in that status. What it also tells me though is that he perhaps should be pursuing CPP disability as well. The reason for that is because it's the same test to qualify as disability tax credit and it also is very persuasive to the insurance company that his health conditions are both severe and prolonged. So if he meets that requirement, surely he should be continuing to get his disability benefit and perhaps the very active adjudication or review of his claim by the claims manager might lessen. I'm not saying it will stop, but it might be a little less if the writing's on the wall that he is not expected to return back to work. But let's talk a little bit more about CPP disability after our next break, John. Absolutely, and your emails continue to come in, and if they don't appear on this show, the uh, last uh, half of the show, no problem, we'll get, get to a future show, but they always get answered regardless when we're not even on uh, on radio. You can do that anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca and the phone number to reach out to Tamar and team, one 821 5900 We continue. More Disability Law Show is on the way. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, get 
guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. You betcha. Disability Law Show Weekly here with Tamar Agopian reaching out to Tamar Semfiru Tamarkin LLP to do so. Make that phone call. It's no problem just to have a chat. It's not going to cost you anything to pick up a phone and get some uh, some answers beyond or including what you get on the show every week. one 855 821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. That's the email address we always go to. want to talk a little bit about CPP disability. There is uh, confusion, and a lot of people uh, tomorrow are, are scared of the process, but I think the positives far outweigh the negatives if there is any, but I know you want to expand, and, uh, and, and you, know, you, you know a lot more about it than I do. So, so go ahead. Let's get into that for, uh, for a couple minutes here. Absolutely, John. You took words literally right out of my mouth. The positives do outweigh the negatives. So, so what's the negative? There's no secret that insurance companies are always looking to find ways to pay less. Okay, and as I said at the top of the show, they draft the policies, and they're they are not unsophisticated. They know what they're doing, and they will include in the policy that if you get other sources of income or are eligible to get other sources of income, they're going to get a credit for that. They're going to get a deduction. Okay. And CPP disability is one of the big ones because the government has this disability program that allows individuals to access on average a thousand up to $1,500 a month if they have a severe and prolonged disability. And so this isn't insignificant compensation, especially when you think about people's disability benefit being two, three, maybe $3,500 a month. So insurance company gets a credit. But the big upside to it is that your CPP disability benefits typically, once approved, will continue to be in approval mode unless something really drastically changes and you get back to work. Um, and so the idea of someone being approved for a benefit like that, where the mm. test is so high, right? It's a severe and prolonged test. That's right. I think is very compelling evidence to the insurance company that certainly the LTD benefit should continue. But as individuals are going into it, you know, some insurers will actually send them a package. People will get a package saying, okay, we think you should apply for CPP disability from the insurance company. Yep. And so no doubt they're going to be weary, right? They're going to be like, well, why is it the insurance company wants me to apply for this? This is why we have a very helpful memo on this topic, on CPP disability specifically, the good, the bad, the ugly. And <laughs> it is on our website. One of our websites, ltdfaq.ca, uh, really helpful website, lots of great resources, and there is uh, one specifically on CPP disability that I actually send out to quite a few people who contact us because I think that people should know from someone who is not the insurance company, what are the benefits and downsides to a kind of disability benefit like this. And I generally find that if someone is CPP approved, so if the government has approved their disability claim, it makes it that much harder for the insurance company to justify cutting off the LTD benefit. They will do it. They will still do it, John. They will go ahead and say, well, it's a different test. And, you know, they'll, they'll argue with us all the time till the cows come home. But we have been very successful in leveraging great results for our clients especially when that CPP disability benefit is in place because the test itself is very compelling that an individual will not be returning back to work anytime soon if they've been approved for this particular disability benefit. 
Let me ask you this. Well, first, let me get the phone number out again. And that website that Tamar just mentioned, good call, ltdfaq.ca. Short, concise, easy to use memos, ltdfaq.ca. Of course, it's absolutely free. Phone number, one 821 5900 You can get that on the website as well, disabilityrights.ca. Uh, Deductions, because, you know, it'd be nice to think you get that entire amount scot-free from the insurance company. But, um, you know, insurance company taking LTD benefits, deductions, uh, I'm thinking stuff like inheritance, a big one we always get asked is about rental income if people have uh, rental properties uh, work safe inheritance money dividend payments all how does that uh, how does that factor into your uh, your monthly well so so the policy reigns supreme here so the mm. you want to see if you're wondering look I'm gonna get a bunch of money next month um, you know from an inheritance when great-aunt you know Judy passed away <laughs> and I'm wondering sad as it is for Judy um, you know, but I'm wondering, you know, is this inheritance that's coming to me something that my, you know, insurance company is going to get their, their dirty hands on, so to speak. And so you want to start with getting your disability policy. And people always ask me, well, where do I get it? Uh, and I say to them, you just have to put it in writing to the insurance company, but put it in writing. If they get it in writing, they are obligated under the law in all the provinces we practice in, by the way. So BC, Ontario, Alberta, they are required to provide you with a copy. But insurance companies, again, like to be cheeky and give people the runaround. So their first line of defense is to say, well, you can get the copy of the policy from your employer. Now, that's true. You can get a copy from your employer. But people who've been on disability for a long period of time may not actually have had that regular contact with their employer. So it could be odd if you're sort of emailing your HR saying, hey, can I get a copy of the disability policy? You can, but I generally find if you've got an ongoing relationship with your case manager, why not ask them? Mm-hmm. And then your next call is going to be to me or someone on my team to say, hey, Samar, can you just take a peek at what my policy says? Is the inheritance going to be a problem or any of the other deductions we've talked about? CPP disability usually is in every single policy, okay? But things like rental income, or workers' compensation benefits. Let's deal with those. If you've been hurt at work, and that is the reason why you're off work, you may be entitled to benefits from WorkSafe or workers' compensation, depending on which province you're in, and those benefits can be a deduction against long-term disability. Okay. Generally speaking, though, your WorkSafe or workers' compensation benefit will be higher, so it may be that you don't get anything from LTD, but it doesn't mean LTD pays zero necessarily because what happens if WorkSafe stops to pay, okay? So you do want to understand how those two work together in particular. Rental income is a little bit more of a tricky one because of the word income. Insurance companies don't want to be paying you a disability benefit, which is essentially meant to replace your income if you're getting income from elsewhere. And so the policy wording on that can vary from policy to policy. And you want to understand very clearly, you know, is it income from employment, quote unquote, or is it any income or is it any earnings? Like the words, those words really, really matter. And so generally my view of it is if you're not actively uh, working at managing rental properties, for example, and that's not considered, quote unquote, a job or any kind of employment activity, then you passively getting income because your basement's rented out from from someone who's right. been living there for five years, right? Sure. That that shouldn't necessarily attract that kind of a deduction. Okay. And so I think that starting with the policy and giving someone like me or someone on our team an opportunity to review 
will give you some solid advice around whether or not you should be worried about it, whether you need to disclose it to the insurance company, and whether they ultimately get a credit for it against your LTD benefit. Again, take the guesswork out of it, guys. Reach out to tomorrow and let a review. Mary, thank you for the email. We're going to get to you after a short break, so stick around. you got some time in that regard, and for you as well, any other time, not just during this hour, but always encouraged to reach out and have that dialogue with Tamar and her team. There's help there, and it's it's easy to get. Help at disabilityrights.ca, by the way, is the email address and the phone number anytime, toll free, of course, one 821 5900 And we continue with more of the Disability Law Show right after the short break. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is the Disability Law Show weekly here. Tamara Gobi and courtesy Stanfiru Tamark and LLP. Reach out to Tamar anytime. She always has a time for a conversation and to get you some information, give you a little bit of peace of mind before you carry on in, uh, in complete bewilderment by your insurance company, if that's the case. one 855 Help at disabilityrights.ca. Let's get to uh, Mary's email as promised tomorrow says hey guys on short term disability paid by my company I have Parkinson's disease and the tremors and pain got worse and worse over time I eventually had to stop working could insurance deny my long term disability if they can confirm that my illness is hereditary I was diagnosed a few years ago but was made worse uh, by all the stress and bullying I was experiencing at work I'm still struggling even though I'm off work I'm worried that if the insurance denies uh, me for LTD and I'm still not well I'll be maxed out after the duration of the short-term disability. Tomorrow, what do you think? Really good question, Mary, because you know, generally I find that the things that we talk about on the show are very focused on long-term disability. But we, of course, deal with short-term disability claims all the time. And it can actually be a very important part of an overall claim against the insurance company. And so what's interesting, the first thing that I picked up on on this email, John, was the fact that her short-term disability benefits are paid by her company. This tells me that it could be a different insurance company looking at the short-term claim versus the long-term claim. Why is that significant? It's because if they approve you for short-term, Mary's quite right to be nervous that if it's a different company looking at long-term, she may get a different answer, that she's not totally disabled. Now look, she's got Parkinson's. That is a condition. It is very degenerative, very progressive. I can absolutely understand that she worked through it for a period of time and then got to a point where she could not continue working. I would have a really hard time with an insurance company who would deny a claim for long term on the basis of Parkinson's, but I think it will be important again in her circumstances for the doctor to provide details around how she's gone from bad to worse and that has that is what has put her off, which is why she needs the long term claim. But if the long term claim is being reviewed and adjudicated by the same insurance company, which can happen. So for example, there's one insurer I can think of in particular who will adjudicate or review the short-term claim. They don't pay it, but they're the ones who look at all the medical information and they make a decision, yes or no, whether someone like Mary meets the test. And if they do, then the company, the employer, will pay the benefit, fine. But then they try and resist the transition from short-term to long-term because long-term is their money. (laughs) So the insurance company doesn't want you to transition from short-term to long-term, and they might give you a heck of a hard time doing that 
because it becomes then their bottom line gets impacted. That is not a good footing for the insurance company though, John, because the test usually to qualify for short term and the first part of the long term is usually exactly the same. So imagine you've got the same insurance company looking at the short term claim saying, yep, she is totally disabled. She cannot work. But you know what? We're going to deny the long term claim because, well, we're going to find a way because we don't want to have to pay someone like Mary, especially with a condition like Parkinson's that has no cure, that will not get better with, with time, and that could potentially have Mary on claim with them until she turns 65 years old. Now, I don't know how old Mary is, but I've got to expect that it's still some years away until that retirement age or the expiry age of these disability policies. So if she has any trouble, of course, I hope that she will be reaching out to a disability lawyer to help her challenge for the LTD. But she is right that she could have trouble going from short term to long term. And that complication could have everything to do with the insurance company and very little to do with her and her actual circumstances. But the last thing she tells us, John, is that she's worried that because it's hereditary, that that might be a reason right. the insurance company might give her. That, that's not a good enough reason, Mary. <laughs> so if they're saying to you, oh, well, your brother has it or your uncle has it or your mom had it, and that's why we're denying your claim, that, that's not the test. The test to qualify for disability benefits is if you are totally disabled by virtue of your health from being able to work and to work at the job that you were doing or alternatively any job that you can work at. And so it, it is only the hereditary part of it really, John, is, is I think a red herring. I don't think it's relevant to the analysis for the insurance company. But if they use that as a reason, then again, I think that's a great basis for which Mary can challenge her disability claim if she is denied for long term. Mary, appreciate you reaching out. That's a good first move. Second one is to make that phone call. Have a further chat if you if you need it after hearing your response. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is how you do that. I did mention the, the the website mydisabilityquestions.com earlier. Again, it's anonymous and free to use. It's also a searchable database. So whatever you put in there, uh, there may be a similar question uh, in the past that has been asked and answered on that website. So you can do a search. If not, leave it there, and it will get uh, taken care of for sure. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Dot com And from it here, as we get to our last couple minutes, uh, tomorrow I'll let you answer this one. It says, uh, guys, am I permitted to read or receive copies of the medical reports written by the insurance company's doctor? God, I think so. But what do you think, tomorrow? Yes. This is an unequivocal yes. You're absolutely entitled to read it. But they are going to give you a hard time because they don't <laughs> want you necessarily to read it. So look, um, we talked about paper reviews early on, John, uh, in our show today. And so there could be a paper review done. And you as a claimant may or may not know that that review has been done. So you may not even know that you should ask for that review. You may only find out when you're denied benefits that they relied on their own doctor's review to deny your claim. At that point, yes, you can request your full claims file. You can request the the paper review. You can have them send it to your own doctor if they don't want to send it to you. There's lots of options there. I think where it becomes more significant, though, is if you've been sent to an actual assessment, an independent medical assessment. It's not independent, everyone, okay? So, but they call it that. Uh, an independent medical assessment where the insurance company is sending you to one of their hired guns, an expert, to actually see you, review, assess, meet you, and then prepare a fairly detailed report on your diagnosis, prognosis, can you work? Um, you know, is there further treatment that's required of you? And that report is critical 
to get. And definitely the adjusters do not want you to have it for whatever reason. It makes no sense to me. You're entitled to have it. But then make sure that they're providing a copy of that report to your primary doctor because the report will likely say you can work and you want to make sure that you and your doctor are in a good position to rebut that so you can resist the insurer's suggestion that you're not entitled to LTD any further. So the short answer is yes, you're entitled to it. Will you be given the runaround? Yes, you will, but stay on top of it because it is critical to see what the insurance company is relying upon and worst case scenario, I can help you with that and I can get that information for you if we're going to assist you in challenging the disability insurer with a legal claim. And with that, we are out of minutes. Appreciate you tuning in this hour. And if you've sent an email or a question through mydisabilityquestions.com, really appreciate you uh, taking part in the show. We ask for it weekly, so so keep them coming. But you can always reach out to Tamar and her team now that we're done with this particular hour of radio. And the way to do that is the email first, right? Help at disabilityrights.ca. And if you want to skip that, go right to the phone call. You can make it. No obligation. Just have a chat. one 821 5900 mydisabilityquestions.com. And again, easy to digest, short and concise memos about LTD, variety of topics, easy to use and navigate ltdfaq.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.